A good leader keeps a sharp eye on their P&L, but even if you're all about the money, it can't be all about the money. To achieve sustainable success, you need people and you need leadership. That's the other P&L, and it's what we'll be talking about in this show. Join Director of People and Culture, Aura Hewitt, and me, leadership strategist Julie Quinn, as we help you improve the other P&L, people and leadership. Hello, everybody. So excited to welcome you to this episode of the People and Leadership, the other P&L. My name is Aura Hewitt, and I have the honor of being here with Dr. Julia Lee, most known as the Diva of Data, which is awesome. She will share more about that. Welcome, Dr. Julia Lee. We are super excited to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. And it's also my great honor to introduce my partner, Julie Quinn. So excited, Julie. We're here with Dr. Julia Lee. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I am doing great. I am so excited about this episode. I have all kinds of questions about data. Dr. Julie Oleg is here to talk about, you know, data analytics and tell us how she got into it. And I am so excited to hear all about that. So thank you. I am super excited, Julie. It's not a coincidence that she is called the diva of data and the diva of analytics. So this is going to be an awesome episode, and I cannot wait to learn more about Dr. Julia Lee. Absolutely. Now, Julie, I understand that you have just arrived from guitar lessons. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told you that. Yeah. No, I picked up guitar several years ago, and my son had been playing, and as he morphed into a teenager, right, he started groaning more and more about his weekly guitar lesson. And I played piano as a child. I played a little guitar. And I said, well, I can take over his spot. So I did. And I wanted to learn jazz guitar. And the teacher I have does jazz guitar. And he also does a lot of classic rock and blues and all. So I just love it. I absolutely love it. Nice. And before we dive into the data, I ask about the guitar lessons because this is about people and leadership. and We are people, we are whole people, right? And in order to be our best selves as leaders, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to nurture ourselves. And by having a hobby that gives us joy and energy and gives us a little peace of mind for even a half an hour a week. I know myself just a few years ago, I took up out of the blue horseback riding. So, you know, I'm in there with the (laughs) nine-year-olds mucking around in the horse stalls. And I love it. It gives me a calm and a corollary right to my days. That's just so very different than the brain work. So I commend you for taking the time for yourself to do something enriching like that. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. I love it. Yeah. Love that both you have obviously guitar lessons and course back writing lessons and so important to highlight that about hobbies and for us to be whole people. Thank you so much both. Let's jump in a little bit into the data analytics. So Julie Quinn and Dr. Julia Lee, this question is about how do you got started into people analytics? Very curious to hear that. Yeah, I got started because I mean basically because I ran into a brick wall and I couldn't do something I wanted to do. 
unless I figured out how to analyze data. I was always good at math, right? But that wasn't who I was. I was, you can kind of see my bookshelf. There's three of those here that you can't see off camera. I was always the kid with her nose in a book. I learned how to speak other languages because I wanted to read literature in the original. And I got to graduate school. I got my doctorate in political science and I got to grad school and I wanted to study this one topic. And it was made very clear that, yeah, I'm just not going to be able to do it unless I know some pretty high level data analytics and survey research methods. And it was tough, but I wanted to do the work. And that was where I was really interested for my doctorate. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I've got to learn this. <laughs> and I realized I really liked it. I mean, it's not to say that it came just completely easily to me. It doesn't, it still doesn't. I mean, it's something that I have to, you know, there's trial and error and I learned different techniques and different methods and all, but yeah, I just, once I realized that this was another tool that I could use to answer these questions that were really important to me, then I was hooked. That's and fantastic. So, yeah. So amazing. Dr. Julie Ali, thank you so much for that. Now my next question is actually about what are some pitfalls or mistakes that you have seen within this field? So one that I see a lot in a lot of organizations, and I see it, it's not unique to people analytics, right? Is that in order to answer the questions you've got, the data isn't just in one place. The data is scattered all over the place right? And that can be a pretty big obstacle because that means that you've got to identify where the data is that you need or you want to have. And then you've got to figure out how to pull it. And then you got to figure out how to stitch it together. And then you can start doing the analysis. And for everyone is busy, I mean, especially in HR and in people analytics, tons there's so much else to do. This is something that will deep six a project pretty quickly. I would say one of the biggest challenges is just making sure that you're able to, on a very tactical level, get the variables you need and the data you need so that you can actually start analyzing it. I think that is so important. And we'll talk a little bit about this later in our conversation, but I run an executive HR networking group here in central Massachusetts. And one of the things we were talking about was the lack of time to do strategic work and asking what one thing would make the biggest positive difference in your ability to do that. And the answer was more time or more staff. But one of the members suggested Another option is to find the root cause of what is taking up so much time and so much staff and fixing that one thing. Mm -hmm. And so to the point about taking the time 
to find the time <laughs> that you need is such a cycle of death here, right? Like I don't have time to take the time to find the time that I need. And just by doing that, what you said, so many projects, so many strategic plans, so many things that take deep thought, we don't have time for, so we don't do it. And so we just stay stuck. Right. Exactly. And stitching together, finding the different, the disparate pieces of data from various systems and stitching them together. I mean, it's a solvable problem. It might involve some investment in bringing in an external resource, someone who is very used to working with data and building things this way. Right. So, I mean, you're definitely going to have an expenditure here. Right. But then you all know, calculate the ROI on this. Yeah. I mean, it's doing the same old, same old and never being able to answer those questions or figuring out the way. Or if you don't have the resources to bring in someone, an outside expert, what are you able to do with the people and the skills that you have on your team? What can you do? Maybe you can't do a global like data dump and right. then stitch together, but you can do the pieces you need that are going to actually be able to inform an actionable decision. Yep. Yep. That might be much more manageable. Exactly. Exactly. And like I was talking about with this group, what came up as a big issue was the churn of onboarding people, exiting people, onboarding people, exiting people, and how much time that takes. And especially now, onboarding, assimilating, yep. checking in, making sure people are okay. All of that takes time. And so rather than, okay, let's do people analytics from A to Z with every single thing we can possibly do, or taking one thing, like just exit interviews. <laughs> let's just do one thing, right? Yeah. And exit interviews plus demographics and see what we can come up with. And so those challenges, it sounds like so far, one, the challenge of taking the time to do. Another challenge I heard was trying to do it yourself and not bringing someone in who knows how to do this so that you can just kind of laser focus, get it done, move on. And the other is trying to boil the ocean as opposed to starting small and doing one project. That's great. Absolutely. Julie, you have another question. Jump I in. do have another question. So let's dive into a little bit more of that HR strategy question. So here's the scenario. I had a handful of heads of HR talking about the future of work and what some of the challenges were we anticipated. And as part of that, I actually did a live demonstration on Zoom of chat GPT, and I asked it, what is the impact to HR strategy in terms of the future of work? And right before our eyes, it bloomed the answer. And then, and nothing we didn't know, right? So we kind of knew these things. But then I asked, write an effective argument for expanding HR teams in light of future of work trends. And right before our eyes, a cogent argument <laughs> to expanding a team came forward. So right there, future of work. Right. So all the implications of this, the changes in skill sets, the policies that we might need around AI, all kinds of stuff came up. So long story short, I asked the group, what was the one biggest thing or one thing that would make the biggest positive difference? One of my favorite questions in their ability to be strategic, right? And the answers were more time and more staff. Of course, there was a little side conversation about not having time to bring staff on. So there was that too. 
But the other, as I mentioned, one member saying, where is the staff contribution and the time going now unnecessarily? How can we find that, right? So one of the things we talked about was engaging in data analytics. And some of the things that came up were, can we analyze how staff is using their time? What percentage of their weeks are spent recruiting, retention, problem solving, coaching managers, that kind of thing. We talked about demographics of who's leaving when and who's coming when and why. We talked about employer value proposition. What is it? Are we communicating it? Are people actually experiencing what we're telling them they're going to experience? So I guess my question is, as someone who might come in and help somebody do that work, what are like the top one, two, or three questions you might start with, right? Just to frame the situation or what comes to you? If I presented that kind of conversation to you, what comes to mind for you? Where would you start with this? Nothing like a softball from you, Julie Q. Let's play with it, right? Because this, listen, people <laughs> yeah. and leadership, the other PL, that's what this is about. We're talking about the business of HR and we're talking about not knowing. We don't know. And it's okay that we don't know, right? So when yeah. I ask these questions, it's not like, oh, like this is exactly what you're going to do. Of course not, right? We're going to yeah. start the conversation. And Julie, you can take a softball or a fastball anytime. So I know you're ready. <laughs> I would say the place to start, I think, is where people are the most frustrated. And by frustrated, I mean from the employee's perspective, they're frustrated that they have to be, in their mind, wasting time doing X, Y, and Z, right? And then also from management and higher-ups perspective, where are they frustrated that this shouldn't take so long, right? And I think that, so in general, yes, I'm a data geek, but I'm also someone who very, very strongly believes that data is only as good as when people are willing to listen to it. And so there's definitely, you can't just throw a table at someone and say, here's your answer, see ya. It's gotta be within the culture. And I think, and it's gotta be accepted within the culture. And I think that, if you want to get to that root problem, right? I think that focusing as a first step, focusing on, like I said, where people are frustrated is good because it will likely uncover some processes that are inefficient, but it will also uncover expectations. And for example, on both sides, you know, especially the managers, right? But also the, the employees, like this should not take this long. Tell me why you say that. Because at my last job, we did it in two steps. And here I've got to go through 10, including signatures from the director or something like that. So I think that is a first step that will point you in the direction of where you need to be focusing much more yeah. and knowing that it's not going to only be data. You're also going to have to be building that culture within your team of looking at data, 
looking at processes, Julie Q, just like what you just said before, no one is wrong here. We've all inherited processes. We've inherited software systems that a lot of times are really antiquated, right? And we've got workarounds and all. So no one's at fault here, but how do we make this more efficient? And the first place to start is what do we expect? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You said starting there is good. I think starting there is brilliant, like the brilliant answer. And for a couple of reasons, I mean, human-centered centric leadership is understanding that work is done by the creative humans we have in our midst, right? It's not done, I mean, unless you're literally running a machine, you know, you're using the machine that's your brain. And if your brain is frustrated, you're not getting the best work, you know, done and the best contribution made. So that's A. B, to start on a cultural footing that how you do your work matters to us, how you feel about your work matters to us. And that's the priority. We all want to do a good job. What's in the way of doing a good job? So brilliant, right? Because then what we come up with a recommendation or even one place to start as a suggested place to start, people are that much more bought in to the idea that, oh, well, they started with my pain. So I can at least trust that maybe my pain will be part of the solution or the solving of my pain. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Julie, for that. We can take that lesson to all kinds of parts of leadership. I love that. I think that great insight, Julie Quinn, and also Dr. Julie Alik, uh, the feedback about finding the problem and ensuring that is something that not only that is frustrating, as you mentioned, and how from there, we can either pilot it or really find and discover what is happening and really go into the analytics to solving that problem for the organization. It's huge. And I love that advice that you provided. That is awesome. I know that Julie Quinn have other questions, so I'm going to ask her to jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So more of a softball on this one. What's your favorite part? I mean, you're the data diva, and I know from working with you before that you're really passionate and joyous about this work. I mean, I just think it's fun to listen to you talk about it. So what's your favorite part? Talking to my clients, hearing from them. I love the initial conversations. Usually it's more than just one where I get to know them and get to hear what isn't working. And a lot of times it's not necessarily, you guys know this, right? You guys are HR pros. It's a lot of times you have to listen for what's not being said to get a sense of what's not working and just being able to show them that this tool analytics is something that is really powerful. It's not going to tell us everything, but it's so often overlooked. And I've seen so many times that it's really been able to help and make a positive impact. I'm just so happy to see that they're able to marry that with also culture, relationship building, that sort of more, let's say, run of the mill, what people think HR is about, right? I love being able to do that. Well, and I think loving that part of the job, I think would help so many leaders in every function at every level. First of all, if more leaders found that enjoyable and that was their favorite part, talking to people and hearing what's up and here and listening between the lines and allowed themselves to engage in that behavior, leaders would be able to lead better. 
right? You know, really connecting with the folks that they are trying to guide. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking with and to the leaders who are listening to this episode, when we're talking about being a strategic leader and running their business with P&L, with people and leadership, right? In a business mindset, doing that well requires connecting with the people in your employee. And when you can do that a little bit more, you get insights you would never have otherwise. And it helps you to guide people better and it helps you guide the organization better, for sure. People are smart. I mean, that's the thing. And people have been doing their jobs for a while, usually. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't even take all that long, but they're smart. They can figure out like, this isn't working or this could go so much easier or more quickly, or we that's could right. be a lot more accurate or something. I think that I always learn something. Yeah. Talking to other people. Yeah. Absolutely. So what are your top three tips? If you were to, and I've seen some of the work that you've done with the talks that you've given and some of the coursework that you've offered to folks, kind of those top three tips for getting started today, right? So if somebody's listening to this, go, gosh, darn it, <laughs> I'm going to go dig me up some data. What would your top tips be for somebody who wants to start doing this? So my first tip would be just start and don't be afraid of being wrong. And I will share not only, you know, as I'm working my way through the real book for jazz guitar and everything, I fail a lot, right? And I have to go back and practice things and everything. But, you know, just because I've got those three letters behind my name doesn't mean that I'm not learning. I'm taking a course right now through one of the online providers. It's a course from MIT, okay? And it's about optimization and decision-making and nice. it's upper level, like MBA kind of course. And I've never done this before, but I wanted to learn it because I think I can use it for one of my clients. And it's got these little check-in quizzes and everything. And I do not get a hundred on all those. Yeah. I do not. I just got like, I just flunked one of them right before we got on here. <laughs> But I redid it. Yeah. I was like, okay, let me think about it. And then they give you the answer. And then it's right. like, oh, I got it now. And I almost want to say that I remember something better when I get it wrong and yeah. have to rethink it. So I would say, just start and do not be afraid of being wrong. You're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong. Yeah. And curiosity, right? If we can underline that with curiosity, just be curious, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, ask the question, do I know this? Do I want to know this? What happens if I know this? Right? Yeah. And yeah. I love that. Not being afraid of being wrong. Excellent. Any other tips you've got? I would say is what really helped me and continues to help me and my students. I've got clients that I do analytics coaching with. And one of the things that I continually get feedback on from them is whenever we are learning a new concept, right? I will find a data set that speaks directly to whatever their work questions are. If I can't use for whatever reason, if we can't use their data that they use in their day to day because of whatever privacy or whatever, yeah. I will go out and there are so many data sources out there, right? So I find something that is analogous. So if it's a restaurant, I will find a restaurant data set, something like that. And consistently, the feedback I get from my clients is that makes 
such a difference because it's so easy for me to see how it works in this hands-on practice data set and then apply it right to my job. Say, if you're going to be working on this and improving your people analytics skills, search out and work with data sets that are the sorts of things you're going to be working on yourself. Like there are tons of free data sets out there. The engagement survey data sets, there's some from down in Phoenix, Arizona that they put online. Use something like that because I think especially for adult learners, which is what we are, right? Best way to learn and to make it stick is to have it be extremely applicable to whatever you're doing in your day-to-day. Dr. Julia Lee, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that tip with us. Oh, sure. And the last one, I would say Excel is your best friend. And don't get intimidated by the people like me. Sometimes I'll start talking about statistical software programs and people will say, oh, do you code in R? Do you code in Python? Do you use Stata? And all? You can do so much in Excel. And especially if you can do pivot tables in Excel. And if you load into Excel, there is a free tool pack called the data analysis tool pack. It comes with every version of Excel. It's just something that isn't automatically loaded in. Just load that in and it will be a world of functions you're able to do that are exactly this. So you have the tools you need. It's a lot easier than you might think and that some people might make it out to be. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. And I mean, first off, data tools have come so far to be so much more user friendly, like anything. I mean, you know, you buy a new washing machine, you got to figure out how to use it because it's different from your old washing machine, right? So just because you got a technology doesn't mean it's going to do it for you just telepathically, but maybe even taking a Excel course learning, just introduce yourself to a pivot table and then don't be scared, right? To just wonder what that is. There are so many tutorials out on YouTube. I mean, honestly, guys, that's the first place I go when I can't figure out for some of the things I do in like R or something like that. I'll Google it, Dr. Google, and then I'll look to see if there's something on YouTube. And there's a lot out there for very user-friendly. Excellent. Well, thank you for all of those. That's fantastic. And I know when Aura and I first met, one of the things that was one of her passions was data. I know that has continued over time, right? With Aura's somewhat unusual background, I would say, from finance, from data analytics, from learning and development, and now head of HR, being able to pull all those things. Aura, do you want to just pop in with how have you continued to apply your passion for data in your role as you've taken your career into larger scopes of responsibility here. Are you still into the data weeds and really like to bring that forth? Once you are into that, you just cannot like <laughs> divorce it. You see, it becomes part of your DNA. And thank you for asking that question, really. I love, I have been listening here and I love the interaction that we have having this episode of the podcast and definitely like I'm always a student so I definitely love every time that I get the opportunity to connect with Dr. Julia Lee and learn from her experiences with data 
and opportunities to use data and data analytics as we know they have been around for many years they have been around for a long time this is not something new there is consistently opportunities in every role we have we don't necessarily need to have like a title that say like analytics or people analytics how some people like to call it or data analytics there is always and consistently opportunities through it so i have taken it in every role <laughs> i have to use it and to learn from others like in this case dr julia then to improve processes and truly i love what dr julia Lee shared here which is about finding the problem and then getting to the root cause and finding solutions for teams and for the business, because that really is what it is. And if data is powerful. And when we can organize it, and when we can tell the story, and when we can truly create an impact and create actions that will help businesses, it's very insightful and powerful. So yes, I do still have my passion, and I don't think that passion is going to go anytime soon. That's great. That's great. Good. And so I'm one of the people who will hire one of you guys to come and look at my data because <laughs> it is not my forte. It's not my passion, but I absolutely appreciate the power of it. And or I think you articulated that really so beautifully. It is powerful. You can use it to influence your leadership team, to organize your own teams, your workload, to be more effective in your own role. If you're an individual contributor, so much power in data and knowing is one thing, doing something about it is another, but just knowing is a great step, right? You know, rather than kind of putting your head in the sand, like an ostrich, like, I don't want to know, <laughs> which I've been accused of in the past. And that's why I reach out now to my friends who love data and say, help me figure this out. Well, thank you so very much for your time today, Dr. Julie. I would love to have you invite, in whatever way makes sense for you, folks to connect with you, right? So how can people find out where you are and get a taste of what you offer? Thank you. And thanks to you both for inviting me. I love talking to y'all. Best way to connect with me is over on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in seeing a little more about what I do, and the kinds of ways that I work with clients, you can go to my website, www.jlaanalytics.com. If you click at the top there, you can see about putting my data jumpstart guide, where Ooh. I walk people through five easy steps to actually start looking at your data and making some sense out of it. When you download that, you'll also be added to my email list, which you can always opt out of. But I've also got a private feed podcast that you'll be also signed up for. If you like that sort of thing, you can listen while you're on the go. And yeah, that's pretty much, that's the it best It is way. fantastic. And all of that information will be in our show notes. So if you are listening to this and you want to get some of that goodness, just pop into the show notes. The links will be there. And that sounds like a really generous offer to give the data jumpstart, right? For somebody who wants to dive in and start working right away. That is wonderful. Thank you. And of course, you can find us at People and Leadership on LinkedIn. The link for all of those are right in the show notes. And Aura and I love people connecting directly. So 
you can find Aura there on LinkedIn, me on LinkedIn, connect with us. We love to field questions. Go to the People in Leadership page. We will be posting about these episodes. We'll be posting questions that you can interact with and give us your thoughts. If you're interested in being on the podcast, you've got something that you'd like to share around people and leadership and how we tie not to the business, tie it as part of the business. It is the business, people in leadership, right? So really making that connection. If you've got a topic you'd like to share on that, we'd love to hear from you. Dr. Julie Alig, thank you so much for being here today, taking your time to do this. And uh, we just love having you on. We've had you on before in Clubhouse. We're so glad to have you part of the podcast. Thanks so very much. And Aura, as always, lovely to do these shows with you. So excited to be here and to connect with Bo and to welcome Dr. Julie Ali back into the People and Leadership, the other PNL. It's a true honor like to be here and to be with both of you and to use this podcast to learn from your experiences and everything that you have shared with us today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah.